there are events that test our mettle and our resolve. As we move through this crisis, how are we coping, adapting, fighting on? Join us for local stories of perseverance, creativity, and contributing to community as we showcase Detroit area leaders who share their thoughts and stories and discuss how they and their organizations are managing adversity and serving others. Welcome to Michigan Motors Forward and Metro Detroiters who are pivoting, evolving, and moving ahead. Welcome to Michigan Motors Forward. I'm John Gay. Since 1934, the Detroit Economic Club has brought business and community leaders together for discussion of the most important issues of the day. The club has hosted CEOs, cabinet secretaries, and every president since Richard Nixon. Having started during the Great Depression, the organization was born to bring in national leaders to talk to Detroiters in a time of crisis. The parallels between 1934 and 2020 are not lost on our guest today, President and CEO of the Detroit Economic Club, Steve Gregorian. Steve, welcome to Michigan Motors Forward. Thanks so much, John, for having me. Looking forward to our conversation. Me as well. We were founded, as you mentioned, in 1934. That was coming out of the Great Depression. And we were founded by a businessman named Alan Crow, who wanted to help jumpstart Detroit and Detroit's economy. Uh, and so he asked the question, geez, what if we just get a bunch of smart business people in the same room once a week to discuss ideas? And thus mm-hmm. the DEC was born. And so they continued to meet weekly. They started to add more people. And then they finally decided, hey, we're getting big enough. Uh, we started to charge a $5 membership fee annually, $5 annually. And by year one, they had already grown to 275 members. And then they said, well, okay, after meeting so many times with uh, the leadership of Detroit business community, let's go outside the box and, and see what others are thinking outside of Michigan. So they started to invite thought leaders from outside the state. They changed their meetings to Mondays because that allowed speakers from outside the state to travel to Detroit by train over the weekends. Ah. So they would not eat up their entire week traveling to and from Detroit. So they got together to discuss and hear ideas, exchange ideas. And so I would certainly argue or say both eras can be described as a time of crisis and uncertainty. And it's certainly not a comfortable time in any of our lives, just as I'm sure it was not comfortable for folks coming out of the Great Depression. So, but people want information and they want to understand what the future may bring. I think that was applicable in 1934 and it's applicable today. They want ideas, they want to hear from thought leaders, And then they want to connect with each other to talk about these ideas. That makes a lot of sense, Steve. So with that said, for years, you've brought the best and brightest to your members in person. And now it is, as you said, all virtual. Can you briefly walk me through that transition and who you've brought in? Yeah, sure. So we've had uh, an incredible run in our 87 years of bringing in some of the top thought leaders in business, government, and the social worlds. And so our members are certainly used to hearing them in person. And we typically do that at lunch events about three times per month. But of course, then we all know COVID hits. And uh, wow, what a surprise, because no one wants to get together in large gatherings. We actually took some time. Uh, I'm not a knee-jerk kind of guy, but we just let the dust settle a little bit. And we said, all right, let's kind of figure out, let's stay on brand. 
Let's listen to our members and what it is that they want. And they were still craving the same kind of thought leadership that we had brought to them in person. Hey, Steve, is there a way that you know you and the team can continue bringing that to us virtually? And then also the reason they joined the, the DEC is they want a network. So we've created some networking events as well. But in terms of the speakers, we had an incredible, John, an incredible spring lineup. Mm-hmm. that most of we had not even announced. And it was some really rock stars that uh, were going to surprise our members and really excite our members. But unfortunately, we had to go back to each one of them and we were able to uh, get agreement from some of those to do some stuff virtually mm-hmm. because they wanted to get their message out as well to the Detroit business community. So our first one, our pilot was in April where we were lucky enough to grab 30 minutes from uh, Stacy Cunningham, who's the New York Stock Exchange president. Wow. And uh, that was very well received by our members. In May, something very topical and timely, Dr. Tom Mihalovich from the Cleveland Clinic, he's their CEO. Mm. He was scheduled to be in person at the DEC, but he spent some time with us as well. And that was so, so topical to hear from him. And then as people started talking about what's the education world going to look like. Uh, I reached out to the Harvard president, Larry Bacow, who happens to be a Pontiac, Michigan native. And Larry said, sure, I'd be happy to jump on with you. So, you know, we got some real firsthand thought leadership about the markets and how Stacy had to react and create markets going, even though the market makers who you see on TV and the chaos and frenzy of, of the daily market trading, uh, how those traders had to continue their work. The Cleveland Clinic CEO was really good at just sort of describing what it was like when COVID hit their facility mm-hmm. and how he had to lead his team through this. And he gave us some thoughts about the future as well. And then really interesting, a lot of our members have college students uh, and they wanted to know, hey, what's my student experience, my son's or daughter's experience going to be like when they go back in September? So it was great to hear some thought leadership from all three of those. I think you've covered your bases with everything that's going on in the last few months by hitting those three areas, the financial world, the education world, and the medical world. And you can't get much bigger than those three names. Steve, you also mentioned the networking events that you've moved online. Can you talk about that a little bit? I mentioned there's two reasons that people join the DEC. One is to hear thought leadership from our tremendous speakers. Mm-hmm. The second reason is it's amazing networking, uh, premium networking with the region's business, government, civic, and nonprofit leaders. And you know, John, that humans are basically, we're social beings. We are craving that interaction. Yeah. We want conversation. We want to discuss and debate ideas. And we want that safety in numbers type of feeling as well. Sure. But at the end of the day, business is done face-to-face, eye contact, eye contact. They're craving that. There's no way to do that. So we said, well, why don't we just allow you to continue to network virtually? So we've done three or four virtual networking events. They're free of charge to our members. And what we do is we just ask them to quickly introduce themselves to each other. We give them some thought-provoking questions to discuss in breakout rooms where they can spend a little more quality time with a smaller subset. Mm -hmm. And then we come back together as a big group. One of the things that 
we've done the last couple of years at the Detroit Economic Club when we have our uh, featured speakers at the podium is we like to end up on a real fun, warm, comfortable note by playing a lightning round with our speakers where we get to know them a little bit better beyond you know, what's in their suit and tie, uh, behind their suit and tie. So uh, we like having uh, lightning round fun questions with them. And so we play that lightning round with our DEC members. And it's just fun questions. It's just one quick question for each person that's in attendance. Questions like something on your bucket list. If you were able to have lunch with somebody dead or alive that's not a family member, who would it be? Uh, Mm. If you could have any band play a private concert in your backyard for family and friends, who would it be? So it it warms things up and makes people laugh and gives people a chance to connect afterwards on LinkedIn or email or whatever it is with other DEC members. So, and we send surveys out and the members love it. They keep saying more, 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 make it longer and longer. And why? Because people crave human interaction. And I know so many people that might live alone and they just, they're in their walls, you know, on Zoom all day long, and they just want to talk to people. I got married myself three years ago, and I looked at my wife the other day and said, thank God I'm married and not single right now because I'd be going stir crazy. <laughs> I think the key to that Zoom networking stuff you're talking about, Steve, is those breakout sessions, because I think we've all been on Zoom calls where there have been dozens or even hundreds of people and Everybody wants to try to get a word in edgewise or everybody's on mute or it's chaotic because everybody is talking at the same time. I was at a a bar mitzvah reception of all things over Zoom, and it was every family member trying to talk at the same time. So I love that you broke it out into those smaller groups. It's interesting you say that because, again, we really devoured the survey results. And other than the big name speakers that we have, we do a lot of other smaller stuff. We call them peer groups professional development seminars, virtual networking, where it's a smaller group and maybe 25 to 30 people in attendance are all members. But when you hit into a breakout room, it's four or five. But the surveys always tell us they love the interaction and they love the little small group thing. It's so much easier to forge relationships in a small group like that where you're not going to get lost in the crowd. So, you, Steve, you touched on it with Zoom a little bit, and I feel like Zoom might be the word of 2020 so far. What are your thoughts working with so many business leaders on this whole shift to working from home and what that looks like now and maybe even going forward? In my opinion, I think it's worked out surprisingly better than anyone has really expected. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I've never worked from home before, maybe a day or two each year. So this is 40 years of habit that I'm trying to break, not going (laughs) into an office every day. And interestingly enough, I've got a small team. They're a great team. Uh, There's six of us total. I'm the only one that's not a millennial. And I posed the question (laughs) to them, do we need to be in an office? We've been really successful for the last three or four months working from home. We've had a great method of communication and the great cadence and rhythm of communication, I was shocked. They about jumped through the Zoom call with me. They want an office. And I thought the exact opposite. That's surprising to me too. Yeah. Yeah. They said, look, we just want that daily face-to-face interaction. And rather than having to text you or call you, I'd just like to come in and sit down and kick around an idea with you face-to-face. 
So that that was surprising, at least very close to home here with the Detroit Economic Club team. And we've seen large companies, Google and Twitter, say, hey, you're going to work from home through December 31st. Some of them Mm -hmm. are saying, hey, we're just going to embrace this work from home permanently. There's companies talking about staggered weekly and daily schedules. And so I'm really intrigued by what that means for the future of office space. And this might seem contrarian, but there's some companies that need to be in an office and they're just not going to be able to embrace the work from home. They may even need more space, Hmm. more office space due to social distancing, where you're hearing a lot of the doom and gloomer say, oh, companies are going to really downsize. I don't know if that's the case or not, but I, I think that's just a really interesting paradox to consider. I hadn't thought of that before. I've heard the, all the traditional wisdom about everybody needing smaller office space because not more people are going to work from home or staggered schedules and things like that. But then you think about the people, like you said, that do need to be in an office and do need to be six feet apart or whatever the guidelines are as we go forward. You know, I think about my wife, for example, who has a corporate job and she has been working from home. She bought a desk and a chair on Amazon just before all this hit in mid-March and she's been working from home and her team has probably been more productive since everybody's been working from home. I just have to be careful to not you know, slam the microwave door too loudly because I'm a foot away from her when I'm making lunch. We did hear that. In fact, we had a, a seminar this morning and we had a great turnout of DEC members and, and the seminar topic was how to lead virtually. Hmm. And one of the areas that they talked about was were the technology vehicles being used and some of the do's and don'ts of that. But what was interesting is we started the seminar by saying, give us some comments about, you know, working from home and a lot of very positive comments about not having commute time mm-hmm. and using that commute time. I'd get out of bed and I'm in a t-shirt and shorts and I'm at my laptop working rather than having to take a 45 to an hour commute yes and then round trip that on the way back home so so people are spending even more time and that was another comment we we heard people are working harder and longer there's a blurred line too of course then between work and home which is disruptive to a lot of people I found that too. I think you have to really define where those lines are. For me, I've got my podcast studio downstairs and I've got my office where I edit and take calls upstairs. And I have those designated areas of my home for work. And then I have designated areas for home. And I think setting some boundaries, I mean, we all have email. We've all responded to an email at seven or eight o'clock at night, but having defined physical boundaries and sometimes time boundaries as well, I think has been a really key thing for me personally in this era of everybody working from home, of not working 24-7. Steve, as we wrap up, I want to ask you about moving forward. There are so many question marks and there are so many variables when it comes to the workplace and what it's going to look like as we hit the second half of 2020 and then even into 2021 and beyond. I'm wondering what your thoughts are about life going forward and maybe what makes you hopeful. Uh, Sure. I'm certainly not an expert in it. Everything you read, there's millions of opinions. And that's one of the things that fascinates me. I, I try to read as much as I can uh, people's opinions on what the next six months will look like and then what things might look like two, three, five years from now. I'm fascinated by, uh, is this a major event in U.S. history that's going to force a significant change in the way we work, the way we live, the way we communicate. And that is really fascinating to me. But I am hopeful for a number of things that might come out of this. Certainly, people are finding 
new ways to connect, whether it's with technology or without. I think early on during the crisis and everybody was staying at home, there was this thing called driveway beers with neighbors. So, yes. <laughs> and some of that stuff was happening with neighborhoods where the neighbors normally don't interact with, with each other and they don't have time for it. And now they're having a socially distant adult beverage. Exactly. And I think that's really cool. I think it's cool and I'm hopeful that people are looking out for elderly and those in need. And they're discovering that it really feels good to do something for others. I'm hopeful that telehealthcare mm. will continue and help patients with transportation issues. Think seniors, think physically handicapped. I'm hopeful that people are discovering downtime and that maybe we all don't have to go at such a breakneck speed 24-7, myself included. Uh, and I'm also hopeful that maybe the country can finally address the digital divide. I think that's coming to uh, the forefront as well as technology is so ubiquitous, there are some people that are being left behind. And I think it's really important that uh, we're going to address that digital divide. Close to home here in Michigan, I'm really hopeful that every time we have come out of a downturn, we've had a boost in automation and technology. And I think that's really fascinating to think of where that might take Michigan and its industries. Steve Gregorian from the Detroit Economic Club. I want to thank you so much for your time today. Much appreciated. Take care and we'll talk soon. Thanks for the opportunity, John. Stay safe. Michigan Motors Forward is produced by Jag and Detroit Podcasts in partnership with Tanner Friedman Strategic Communications. Subscribe for free on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are found.